welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for October the 28th of 2019. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest stories from around the industry five days a week, Monday through Friday. Wrap them up, pack them up, and put them in one tight, neat little podcast for you to enjoy on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media or on podcast services around the world found on anchor.fm slash Jam Pack Report. If you don't like watching or listening, you can also read the show on medium.com slash report as well. But with that being said, today we are talking about Overwatch 2 because it has been a long-rumored reveal coming to BlizzCon 2019. But with that being said, now thanks to a leaked document showing off what demos fans can play at the show, it looks like we now have many more details to share today. Then another popular Twitch streamer has moved to Mixer, or at least is in the process of doing so. King Gathalion, a very notable entity in the Destiny community, is jumping ship and joining Microsoft's streaming platform. Then Starbreeze restructuring continues with a resuming of Payday 2 development with a new paid DLC on the way. Fortnite is in the news yet again with the leaker that showed off the map for Chapter 2 being sued in a big way by Epic Games. Then Call of Duty Modern Warfare sold very well. It looks like EA Games will be back on Steam. And finally, I have an update about that Black Friday ad we talked about last week because it might have been too good to be true. That's unfortunate. In fact, it was too good to be true. But with that being said, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, sources say Overwatch 2 is to feature PvE, a new map, and at least one new hero. This is coming to us from ESPN, and it's written by Slasher, the pro esports consultant that many people follow on Twitter. Blizzard Entertainment will unveil its next iteration of the popular Overwatch franchise, featuring a new logo, new game modes, maps, heroes, and PvE features at BlizzCon this week, according to a BlizzCon source and a BlizzCon training document, which included information about Overwatch 2 and was obtained by ESPN. It was earlier reported in June by Kotaku that Blizzard was working on a PvE-focused Overwatch 2, with Blizzard assigning resources from other areas in the company that included a cancelled StarCraft FPS using the Overwatch engine. The document obtained by ESPN offers a first look for what to expect from Blizzard's franchise esports title at BlizzCon, which begins on Friday. Notably, the Overwatch logo now has a small orange 2 indexed at the top right corner, as you can see right here. Hero talents and in-game items are coming to Overwatch 2 PvE, and one of the missions will be a four-player story experience set in Rio de Janeiro, as opposed to the, six, the 6v6 excuse me, gameplay in the original Overwatch, according to the document. Blizzard did not respond to a request for comment. While much of the focus will be on story and narrative elements, Overwatch will see its first new mode since the game was released in beta in 2015, with Push set to be unveiled alongside Assault, Control, Escort, and Hybrid. Push will be set on a new map based in Toronto, according to the document. Since Overwatch's release, many in the competitive Overwatch community, including professional Overwatch League players, have voiced frustrations for some of Overwatch's less popular game modes, such as Assault, and have been requesting a new variant on which to play. The Overwatch development team has made significant efforts to appease concerns from the Overwatch community, including implementing a 2-2-2 roll lock and roll queue into the game. Both the PvE story and new game mode are expected to be available to play for BlizzCon attendees this weekend. Blizzard is also expected to announce at least one new hero during the event. After two years of Overwatch League games played at Blizzard Arena, the former home of The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, next year will see the launch of Overwatch League in local franchise markets for the first time. 
Overwatch 2 and building excitement around the game could not come at a better time for Blizzard, with broadcast media rights looming for the company as their reported two-year $90 million deal with Twitch expires. The release comes during a tumultuous time for the game developer. Blizzard founder and CEO Mike Morheim stepped down last October, along with other top executives, and the company laid off nearly 1,000 employees in early February. This month, the company has found itself in an international incident over punishing Hearthstone player Ning Blitzchung Wai Chung after he spoke out in support of anti-government Hong Kong protesters during a post-game interview, drawing outline protest and criticism from a bipartisan congressional group. BlizzCon runs Friday and Saturday at the Anaheim Convention Center in Anaheim, California, so that's when you can expect to see the news confirmed. Uh, but this, number one, from a gameplay perspective, is pretty exciting for fans of Overwatch. Now, needless to say, it has established itself as a competitive team-based shooter, not necessarily a game that it is focused on PvE, but I do see where they're coming from with this, and now that this insider information has made itself known, I understand why the StarCraft FPS was likely cancelled, because if you have this FPS, a PvE-focused Overwatch experience, Overwatch is a much more powerful name in 2019 as compared to StarCraft, and so when you take that into consideration, it makes sense to realign those assets and to bring them in to Overwatch 2 instead of focusing on a brand new experience with StarCraft itself. Now, the big question here is, what exactly can we expect uh, from the overall competitive community? Because again, that big $90 million Twitch contract is beginning to expire. Will Overwatch begin to fade even more? Because of course, now it is not the same uh, top-tier eSport that it was back in the day. That has since been taken by games like Fortnite, uh, by games like PUBG, even by games like uh, Sports sports games that have traditionally been pretty competitive experiences, I don't know that it is as big as it was, and I don't know if it ever will be again. But if Blizzard plays their cards right, and they do reveal what needs to be revealed to regain their number one position in the competitive community, uh, it very well could be a pretty big season for Overwatch without a doubt. Uh, but excited to see what exactly this PvE element does bring to the table. Of course, we have seen PvE stuff in traditional seasonal events, uh, such as Junkenstein's Revenge, which is a pretty uh, notable Halloween event that comes to Overwatch every year. Uh, but it does need to be a bit deeper than that. I don't know exactly how they are going to go about doing that, uh, but certainly excited to see what they tried to do. And of course, it goes without saying that new maps and new heroes are always welcome in the world of Overwatch. Uh, so, Overwatch 2 all but confirmed, now coming to BlizzCon 2019 this weekend. However, another popular Twitch streamer has jumped ship and is moving to Mixer. Of course, last week it was Shroud, now it's King Gathalion. You can now add another popular Twitch streamer to the growing list of streamers making the switch to competing service Mixer. This time, it's Corey King Gathalia Michael making the move to stream on the Microsoft-owned Mixer. Over on Twitch, Michael has over 1 million followers, but he announced today on Twitter that he is moving to Mixer. Currently, his new Mixer account has already racked up nearly 11,000 followers only a few hours after announcing the news. Let's see just how many followers he has now as of 7.47 a.m. on October 28th, now up to 26,577. However, in a video announcing the move, Michael explained that he believes working closer with Xbox and Microsoft would allow him to help more streamers, raise more money for charity, and throw larger gaming events. He also mentioned that he will still appear on other streams on other platforms, though his own main channel will be Mixer exclusive. Michael swapping to Mixer follows two other popular streamers, Ninja and Shroud, who both made the same move. 
It seems Mixer is serious about growing its service, but even after arguably the biggest streamer in the world, Ninja, moved to the service back in August, Mixer didn't see a huge increase in its viewership numbers. It seems it might take more than just a few big names to catch up with Twitch. And it goes without saying, a very complicated situation with Mixer right now. But it is incredible to see the talk in the gaming community. Incredible to see uh, the reaction from the Twitch community. Because whenever Ninja moved over, that made sense. Because Ninja was a huge, you know, worldwide, internationally famous streamer. And it didn't matter where he went, he was still going to be fine monetarily. Uh, he was still going to be popular because he has kind of uh, transcended the traditional streamer role. Shroud moving over, that was a bit more shocking. Because, of course, everybody knows Shroud if you are in the Twitch community. But with that being said, you don't see him plastered on Walmart posters. You don't see him getting his own uh, merch that is being thrown about in regular retail stores like Target. But still made the move, doing fairly well from the first couple of streams that I caught. And then on top of that, you have King Gathalion, who is a more niche streamer in a way. I mean, still has over 1 million followers, well over 1 million followers. In fact, I believe close to 1.2 million. Uh, but at the same time, he is not somebody who is identified on the street by random, you know, passerbys. He's not somebody that is identifiable because of his streaming status. He's identifiable within the community, but he's not going to be internationally uh, renowned and well-known outside of the Twitch community. Whenever you see big names like this within the Twitch community moving over to Mixer, that's when I think you could see a bit of a transition. And I think the narrative is beginning to turn here because Mixer is growing by leaps and bounds because of these big acquisitions. Now, make no mistake, they are not going to be as big as Twitch overnight because of getting three pretty notable streamers. But if more people begin to move over and if they do acquire even more people, uh, even more big streamers, maybe Summit 1G, Tim the Tapman has been alluding very much so to jumping ship from Twitch and moving over to Mixer, you could be seeing a very big shift in the overall demographic of people watching on Twitch and people watching on Mixer. And of course, when big streamers like this move over, more uh, mid-tier streamers begin to jump ship and move over as well. And so with King Gathalion, Shroud, and Ninja all moving over to Mixer, I think it is justifying uh, the move. I think it is justifying Mixer as a platform. It's one of those situations where if all of your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? Yeah, probably. We'll see what happens. You know, maybe there's something at the bottom of the cliff they want. So at the end of the day, exciting to see the big moves from Mixer. But King Gathalion moving over, a pretty big deal. Somebody I've been watching for a very long time since the very beginning of Destiny 1. Uh, and I cannot wait to see what the future holds for Mixer as a platform. Because needless to say, he sees something in the platform. Shroud sees something in the platform. Ninja sees something in the platform. They all see something in their bank accounts. Uh, it's a win, 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 win all the way around. But again, very exciting to see. And if you do want to follow on Mixer, you do get a free one-month subscription to King Gathalion Stream because, of course, verified, uh, bought out, acquired, whatever you want to call it, does tend to come with a free sub. The same goes for Shroud as well. I have 35 notifications on Mixer because I never log on. However... PUBG is a big deal, but Payday 2 could be even bigger because Starbreeze has resumed development with new paid DLC on the horizon. Overkill parent company Starbreeze is restarting active development on Payday 2, walking back its plans to stop creating DLC and updates for the long-running game as the company works to emerge from turbulent financial difficulties. Starbreeze CEO Michael Nermark explained as much in a post to Payday 2 Steam page, offering a candid look at the state of the game, 
and company, and how it plans to handle the game and its trove of DLC moving forward. On December the 3rd, we ha only had projected cash reserves to run the company until mid-January 2019. This was how serious the situation had become, he writes. Since then, we've been able, through extremely hard work and commitment by all of our employees, been able to stay afloat, clean up our business, and start thinking about our future and the future of Payday. We are not entirely there yet, but we are starting to look ahead at what's next. It's not terribly surprising that Starbreeze is bringing Payday 2 out of semi-retirement and announcing plans for both paid and free updates. Despite ending active development in late 2018, Payday 2 has continued to bring in millions for the struggling company. Shortly before it was announced the game would cease development, Payday 2 was responsible for 2.3 million in quarterly sales. Even in the report released in August, this August, Payday 2 alone brought in around 1.5 million in sales. However, the new content plans for Payday 2, explains Nurmark, involved going against some of the earlier statements the company made about how the game's future DLC would be handled. While updated plans for Payday 2 included both free and paid updates, the company had previously released the Ultimate Edition with the promise that it would include access to all DLC launched for the lifetime of the game. To get it out of the door immediately, yes, I know we are breaking a promise. We do not do so with ease or take this lightly, writes Nairmark. At one point in time, our company believed the interest and engagement in Payday 2 would decline over time as new internal games were released. Resources were needed on new projects, and production of Payday 2 was scheduled to stop and no more updates to come. With new content again on the table, the company is replacing the Ultimate Edition promise excuse me, with a Payday 2 Legacy Collection that includes all DLC released during or before 2018. The ability to purchase individual DLC has also been reinstated. This is a pretty big move, and it's one that I think is very wise on the part of Starbreeze, because quite frankly, Payday 2 is their big game right now, uh, and it has been for quite some time. There's no reason to variate if you aren't in a position to variate. And what I mean by this is that new games are great. New experiences are fantastic. I am all for any development studio experimenting with what they could possibly do by branching out and trying new things. But when it's comfortable, that makes sense. If you are talking about going under within two months uh, of the time of writing a blog post, that's when you know you probably aren't in the position to be throwing around tons of cash trying to make something happen. Uh, but with Payday 2, the good news is that it is still a very notable game. The good news is that it still is very popular, as we can see even in August, bringing in $1.5 million. Of course, the game originated on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360 way back in the day. Then it was brought forward to PS4, Xbox One, and now the Nintendo Switch. So there is a plentiful install base for the game, many, many people playing, and it makes sense to continue development and to make new paid DLC, even if it means breaking a promise, because quite frankly, uh, thanks to Payday 2, the company is probably going to survive. Uh, and I would say you could be seeing a pretty big flip, 180 if you will, uh, in the situation with Starbreeze over the next few years. But even with that being taken into account, uh, cool to see new Payday 2 content coming down the pipe. I believe that it does make sense. I believe that fans will definitely want to take part in that. Uh, but no release date as of right now, no real time frame. But it is cool to know Payday 2 is in fact back and it is on the move. So keep your eye to the ground and your ear to the sky because you never know when news will drop. Yeah. But anyways, Epic Games is suing a Fortnite tester who leaked Chapter 2. And man, is this dude in trouble. 
I was reading this and thought, man, this I'm so glad this is not me. A Fortnite user experience tester is being sued by Epic Games for spoiling Fortnite Chapter 2. Epic filed the lawsuit today in a North Carolina court alleging that Ronald Skies, known online as at Llama 9 a since-deleted Twitter account, leaked information about Fortnite's now-revealed Chapter 2. Earlier in October, Fortnite went offline for two days. Epic claimed that a black hole had engulfed the game. This, of course, was all part of a marketing plan. The game returned with a new map and other significant changes. It's an event Epic has been building for months through its first 10 seasons, spread inside and outside of Fortnite in hints and hidden Easter eggs, according to the lawsuit. The lawsuit said, Skies broke a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA you might know, by revealing information he learned as a user experience tester. He did so at the expense of Epic and those in the Fortnite community who were anxiously awaiting the new season of Fortnite, only to have some of Epic's planned surprises spoiled by Skies' leaks, lawyers wrote. Skies played Fortnite's new content in late September, and three days later he tweeted to another Twitter user that he played S11 and can tell you new stuff, according to the lawsuit. He tweeted again from another account and revealed that in Fortnite Chapter 2, players will be able to swim. Skies continued to post about Fortnite's secrets, including an image of the new map, in the lead-up to the event. Epic is asking for injunctive relief and maximum damages for Skies' breach of contract and misappropriation of trade secrets he learned while testing for the developer. As a direct result of Sky's breach and his contractual obligations under his NDA, Epic has sustained and will continue to sustain damages in an amount to be determined, Epic said in the lawsuit. An Epic representative told Polygon it does not comment on ongoing litigation. Skies did not respond to Polygon's request for comment. This is not the first time Epic has sued someone for leaking Fortnite secrets. In 2018, Epic has shoot, shoot. They shoot the quality. In 2018, Epic sued a quality assurance contractor for a Season 3 leak. The QA tester later filed a defense against the lawsuit, which alleged he didn't intend for the secrets to get out. Elsewhere, the company has also filed multiple suits against Fortnite cheaters, including one ongoing case wherein an elusive teenage player continued to cheat even after being sued. Not the brightest bulb in the pack, that one. Uh, but this is a very big deal, and you know what? I support it. Uh, because you might be saying, why is Epic bringing up a lawsuit against this slow, little, measly player? Fortnite, uh, Chapter 2's out, you're good to go, you don't have to worry about it anymore. This is all about making an example of someone. That's exactly what happened with the teenage cheater. Uh, that's exactly what happens with anybody that Epic sues. Uh, because they aren't necessarily looking for money. It's not like they actually need damages or that any damages were done. In fact, any leaks probably just gener generated more hype for the game. But whenever you are talking about uh, punishing somebody for leaking insider information uh, by making an example for other Fortnite testers that are going to be coming in the future, you need to make it very clear that it don't take any shit. That's really what it comes down to. You need to make it very clear that you are here to do business. This is something you take very seriously, and we do not tolerate leaks. That's exactly what they're doing here. Uh, so overall, I support that. I think that really uh, the best way to release a game or an update or a DLC pack is the exact way that the developer intends to release it. And with Epic, they take showmanship to a whole new level. With the black hole, that's something that had never been done before in games. The best way to disguise nearly two days of downtime that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but then you had it ruined by this surprise ruiner, this Mr. Skies. That is when you know that things have been messed up. And so if they had, in fact, 
implemented the black hole element very well. If they had, in fact, gotten it out without leaking, that would have been unprecedented. Uh, but with that being said, now you have the lawsuit. Hopefully this won't happen anymore in the future. But we all know people will inevitably leak the biggest news because everybody is grinding for that follower count. Everybody is grinding uh, for that insider information status. Everybody is trying to become known in the gaming community. And it looks like this guy's going to be known for being sued by Epic Games. Good on you, man. Good on you. However, who would have thought Call of Duty Modern Warfare launch sales beat Black Ops 4? I never would have guessed that. He says sarcastically. It's a good week for Activision as Call of Duty Modern Warfare delivers a very strong first week at UK Games Retail. Keep in mind, this is one section of the world on one specific lineup of the top games of the week. This is very much so the tip of the iceberg. For physical sales alone, the game has sold 39% more units than its predecessor, managed Call of Duty Black Ops 4, during its launch week. These sales are not as high as 2017's Call of Duty World War II, but GamesIndustry.biz understands that with digital included, the sales are a lot closer. We won't know the full extent of its digital performance until the GSD charts arrive later in the week. 62% of the game's sales are on PS4, which has the bigger install base and access to the Spec Ops survival mode. 38% of sales are on Xbox One. The arrival of Call of Duty at number one means EA's FIFA 20 slips to number two. Meanwhile, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe falls from number two to number six, despite sales rising 2% week on week. The rest of the top five are all new releases. At number three is WWE 2K20. The game seems to have charted highly, but actually launch week sales are down 31% compared to its predecessor. The title has been criticized in the press for various bugs and flaws, which may have hurt its performance. Like Call of Duty, 62% of box sales are on PS4, with 38% on Xbox One. Next, The Outer Worlds from Obsidian debuted at number 4. This is an interesting game because the media and certain consumers may have expected more from the title's performance. It must be noted that this is just physical sales. Digital is not included and will likely make up a significant part of the sales. This new IP has been compared to the Fallout series. Reviews were decent overall. I would say great overall. 8 to 9 out of 10, and with a comparative lack of significant releases this Christmas, The Outer Worlds had been earmarked as a breakout hit. I do believe it will be. But just because expectations had risen amongst media and gamers, that may not have been the case for its publisher. And then the author on GI.biz begins to ramble a bit. Uh, the top 10 games of the week include COD Modern Warfare at number 1, FIFA 20 at number 2, WWE 2K20 at number 3, The Outer Worlds at number 4, 5, Medieval. Look at that. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at number 6, Rank Fit Adventure at number 7, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint at 8, Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville at 9, and Minecraft Switch Edition at number 10. And so, uh, we have a pretty big launch week for Modern Warfare. Of course, one of the biggest games of the year. Uh, in fact, very well could be one of the biggest games of the entire generation. Uh, but I think the big standout hit here on this week's releases is, in fact, The Outer Worlds. I have heard glowing reviews. Uh, the community seems to love this game. And on top of that, uh, it is also worth noting that it is released on Game Pass. So, with the sales uh, sitting at number four on the UK charts, and again, these are just the very first charts we are getting, uh, that means the game is selling very well overall. I mean, if you can chart just below uh, big names, I mean, three of the biggest names of annualized releases, uh, then you are doing fairly well. And I would say this is going to be a pretty big success as we move forward into the future. And this could be one of the biggest games of 2019, without a doubt a game of the year contender. And I think it is going to be one that does continue to perform very well week after week. 
But with that being said, Modern Warfare is still killing it. Again, sales up 39% as compared to Black Ops 4 during the same time period. And that's not really a shocker because Modern Warfare tends to be the more popular franchise. It has more nostalgia for a lot of people. And of course, this one did have a single player campaign. But you could be playing Electronic Arts games on Steam soon. Years after branching out with Origin, it looks like EA might soon start publishing its games on Steam again. Since the Origin store launched back in 2011, EA has released their games through their own service while avoiding Steam. But now we are seeing some hints that the publisher might be considering a return to Valve storefront. A big clue here is a tweet from EA itself, which shows a steaming mug of presumably coffee, although I suppose they probably just filled the cup up with boiling water for the sake of the video. The specifics of the liquid are immaterial, I suppose they say at VG247, but the Steam seems to be the important thing to focus on. Another Twitter user, Robot Brush, also pointed towards some evidence that Steam would start selling EA games embedded below thanks to PC Gamer. The implication here is that you could buy the games through Steam and have them in your library, but starting them up would still start them up on Origins Launcher. Ew, I don't like that. Hopefully we'll get an actual proper confirmation on this soon. Uh, so, number one, this little uh, robot brush tweet here, this is the most trivial bullshit in the gaming industry on PC, where you have a game that you purchase through Steam, and it's in your Steam library, and then another service opens up on your computer and boots it up. What is that? Don't give me that. I understand if it's an MMO or something, but at the same time, come on, guys. Just literally let me install it on Steam and boot regularly from Steam itself. Uh, but good to see Steam potentially being a part of EA's future uh, because nobody really likes the Origin launcher. It's fine. It does what it needs it to do. Uh, but to be able to go onto Steam and play and buy Battlefield games, to be able to buy, uh, I guess, actually play uh, Apex Legends and then buy in-game items through Steam or through EA via Steam, whatever you want to call it, uh, just is a more accessible route. Of course, now you pretty much have two giant contenders, Steam and uh, the Epic Game Store on PC as a platform, uh, but without a doubt, Steam still holding strong in the overall talk about which platform is better, which storefront is better, and overall, good to see EA kind of branching out from Origin because it's not that good of a launcher. In fact, no launchers are good. I cannot wait for GOG to release their GOG Galaxy 2.0 update for everybody to try because that merges all these launchers together and you don't have to worry about where you play your game anymore. Also, Discord kind of does that as well. Uh, but excited to see EA coming back to Steam, potentially, if the hints are to be believed. And finally, to round out today's show, that $149 Nintendo Switch Lite rumor has been officially busted. It turns out the gamers won't be getting that $150 Nintendo Switch Lite of their dreams on Black Friday, according to Walmart. Remember the rumor going around about the $149 Nintendo Switch Lite and the $199 original Switch that Walmart would sell during Black Friday? Also notable, a $150 uh, PlayStation 4 Slim 1TB, and on top of that, a Xbox One S All Digital with three pretty big games for $150 as well. The ad screenshot originally came from a tweet via news videos. And then that same ad was posted on the cheap-ass gamer forums. Eventually, the forum was asked by Walmart to remove said ad, along with the site owner GPD being given an official statement from a Walmart spokesperson. I can confirm, they say, this is not Walmart's Black Friday ad. We haven't released our ad yet, but stay tuned. We're excited about all we have to offer for Black Friday shoppers. While it seemed like an incredible offer, it's important to remember that in the coming months before Black Friday, any deal that looks too good to be true probably is. Especially when it comes down to a console discount 
out deals from Nintendo, since the video game company rarely allows for price cuts this early into their systems, and certainly not ones as deep as that. The Nintendo Switch was the best-selling hardware in the month of September, as well as for the entire year, with big names like Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening really pushing big sales of the Nintendo Switch Lite, a new portable iteration of the Switch that only cost $199. But with that being said, uh, not shocked to see this ad fake uh, or confirmed to be fake. I was hoping for the best because, again, these numbers are absolutely nuts. I mean, you've got a $150 PS4 Slim. You've got a $299 PS4 Pro, a good deal in and of itself. A $199 regular Switch. The $150 uh, Switch Lite was the one that I was going to go for. And then, of course, you could save $100 on the Xbox One S All Digital. Uh, but a friend of the show uh, at Champion June on Twitter did point out that, hey, uh, this color scheme doesn't really add up, doesn't look like Walmart, uh, because, of course, Walmart very uh, meticulous about their branding, and so this did look fake to begin with, but I still wanted to at least bring it up, because I'm very excited to see what Black Friday 2019 has to show us, because, man, I do love some good Black Friday deals. But it looks like you won't be getting the $150 Nintendo Switch Lite, as expected, earlier in the week. But with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about the stories we covered on today's program. Of course, the biggest story of the day, Overwatch 2 coming very soon, but excited to see what happens with Corey over there on Mixer. Tons of other stuff worth talking about. But until tomorrow, you guys have a phenomenal rest of your day. I will talk to you soon and peace.